0: Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host Stephen Horns and I'm on my own today. I should explain a bit more about that in a moment. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full time on it eventually. Or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital name ads and anything in between. So in this episode we're going to be talking about sales funnels and how I intend to apply them to a product that I'm building. So, this episode is just gonna be me. Um, me and Kevin was trying to meet up to record. Um, it hasn't quite happened for various reasons. So, one of the things that me and Kevin pride ourselves on with this show is that we enjoy meeting up in person and having a chat. I mean, this podcast is as much for our benefit in that we get to have a good discussion as it is for you know, producing content for all of our loyal listeners. So in the UK, we have just had another lockdown that started at the beginning of November and ran through to the beginning of December. So obviously we wasn't going to meet during that time. And we tried doing an episode via Zoom before and it didn't really work out. I mean, um, I know Kevin's office at home has not very good internet signal. So it made the show quite difficult to record and quite hard to edit last time when we tried it. So we agreed that, you know, we'll just do these things in person. Now, since we've had all of the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff, we have done a few episodes where we've met up in person to talk. Social distance, we put quite a lot of effort into making sure that the office was COVID secure and that we could record safely. Um, But this time around, it's been a bit more difficult. So obviously we've got Christmas coming up. um, Nobody wants to take any risks running up to the Christmas break. So what we was gonna do is, and it was actually Kevin's idea, we was gonna go outside to a local park Take the um, take the Zoom recorder and some microphones with me, and we're just going to record. Now, if it's a bit cold outside, that's fine, doesn't really matter, but the weather at the moment is just atrocious. I mean, it's raining at the minute. You, you might hear it rattling on the windows in a moment. Um, so that didn't really work, and we didn't really want to meet up this close to Christmas in person, just because you of know, the risks associated with that, especially if people are meeting with families over the Christmas break so what i decided to do is i said i would put an episode out because i wanted to have something out before christmas and we'll sort of see how things go in the new year now i'm really not quite sure what's going to happen in the new year so the uk government is allowing a five-day relaxation of all covid restrictions so people can do some form of christmas in some shape or another but obviously there's risks associated with that now whether we go back into another lockdown or not in England, I don't know. So Wales have just announced that they're going to do a lockdown from the 28th, which is going to last. they have actually put an end date on it. They're just going to review it every few weeks. Northern Ireland today that I'm recording this has just announced that they're going to do a lockdown for at least six weeks. Now, I'd be very surprised if England doesn't follow suit. And same with Scotland as well. I expect they'll probably follow. So we have no idea what's going to happen in the new year. So we just kind of waiting to see what happens there thankfully the vaccination program has started and they're starting with care home residents and staff and sort of elderly people so my dad had his vaccination or his first vaccination the other day because he's in his mid-80s so that's kind of good to know so I'm kind of upbeat. I think 2021 I think it's going to be it's going to be good it's going to be positive I think the first quarter first half potentially might be a little bit dodgy or a little bit difficult but I think it'll be it'll be better that's what we're hoping for anyway anyway that's not for me rambling on that's just a long way of me saying you're stuck with me this episode (laughs) so before I give you a little follow-up and update then so since we last launched an episode I have released a new Pluralsight course which is about building secure applications with cryptography in .NET that's out now on Pluralsight and he's doing quite well which is fantastic Uh, The book that I'm writing, The Path to Freedom, is getting ever closer to being ready. So the final batch of chapters are with my editor now, so she's working on those, and hopefully I'll get those back mid towards the back end of January, and then she'll have a few more revisions to go through, and then we'll be ready. We'll be ready to get the book released. So really I'm looking around March to mid-April, maybe slightly late April, to get that book out. Um, Because there's obviously some pre-promotion stuff that I want to do. But I have actually started on some of the pre-promotion stuff. I'm not going into too much detail now, because this is going to form what I want to talk about in the main section. But I've got a new YouTube channel called The Path to Freedom, surprisingly. Where I'm going to be recording lots of videos on there. Sort of explaining about lots of different topics, a bit like what we do on this show. And also doing more sort of detailed updates on what I'm doing. Now these are going to be filmed, obviously filmed videos, so it's me against a green screen. Uh, I've put a real lot of effort into the production quality of this. It's all recorded in 4K. I think the quality looks pretty damn exceptional. I'm really pleased with it for the first few videos. So the link to that channel is in the show notes. Now, I want to ask you a really, really, really big favour as loyal listeners of this show. So starting a YouTube channel like this, I'm basically starting from zero. So the plan was to get it set up before Christmas, get some videos pre-seeded onto there, and I've now got some scheduled videos that are going to come out over the next three weeks, which I've pre-recorded. But starting anything like this from zero is incredibly difficult, and I need to kind of get a slight bit of momentum going, so that YouTube will then take over and hopefully start recommending videos based on the keywords that I've set for people to watch. So really what I'm asking is, I'd be eternally grateful if you could just go onto that channel and hit subscribe, and maybe hit the bell notification to be notified of videos. Now, I genuinely think that if you enjoy this podcast and you'll enjoy the videos I'm gonna put on there, but by having you subscribe to that um, channel, it's really gonna help me out just to help start getting things going. Because, you know, I'm realistic. Starting a new new YouTube channel is an uphill struggle. It's gonna be very, very hard to to get these things going. So I really am asking for your help if that's okay. So if you do uh, decide to subscribe, I hope you enjoy the content. And thank you very much. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions. Uh, So the first one is from James. This is quite a a serious one, this. So are you worried about the prospect of a no deal Brexit? So for all of our US listeners and people outside the UK, so obviously Brexit is a thing that's happened. What it has happened. We actually left, formally left the European Union in January this year, but we've been still a member of their single market. Uh, while we go through this transition period so negotiators on both sides have been trying to get a deal now as i record this on friday the 18th of december there still isn't a deal set and it's looking quite likely that a deal won't be set which means the uk will have to trade on world trade organization terms with the rest of europe now what that's going to look like i have absolutely no idea but am I worried about the prospects of a no-deal Brexit? I presume you mean in terms of my own kind of business. And in that case, I'm not too worried about it at the minute because I made a conscious decision. When I started running the business and looking at going full-time, so around 2017, now Brexit had already happened, the vote had already happened, so it, you know, it was just a matter of time before it happens. So I made a conscious decision not to try and pursue too much work that I'd be dependent on in either the UK or Europe. So a lot of what I do is focused around the US markets. and that was a very conscious decision because the trading relationship between the UK and the US is very strong. You know, we're very close allies; we've been for a very long time. So that's kind of where I've put a lot of my focus, and I've done that deliberately to try and insulate myself from any potential problems that could happen with Brexit. So I don't want to turn this into a political discussion. You know, whether you're pro Brexit or against it, that's not what this is about. But it is happening. So I've tried to insulate myself as much as possible by not doing too much work inside the EU. And I do do some work. You know, I've done some consulting gigs here and there. And I've done some private training workshops at European companies. But apart from that, I've not done anything that's going to be too detrimental if it all goes horribly wrong. So time will tell. I mean, the clock is ticking. Um, you know, By the time you listen to this, a deal may have been struck or it may not have been struck. We really have no idea at this moment. But I'm not overly concerned at this precise minute. just gonna ride it out and see what happens. So next question is from Sarah, so it's looking as though Covid is going to drag into 2021 even though the vaccination program has started. Has this affected your plans? So it affected my plans a fair bit in 2020 because obviously the first lockdown was incredibly difficult and I think I've mentioned it on here before I can't remember but from my own point point of view I mean we had to um, obviously homeschool two children just like you know most other families in the country and even around the world uh, but it was hard for us because my son had just been diagnosed with ADHD and autism so we were trying to you know grapple with what that actually means as well as trying to figure out how to properly educate uh, someone with with learning difficulties which was really hard work and very stressful in terms of how it's worked for my son it's actually He's actually been a lockdown success story i'd say because me and my wife have put a lot of focus in trying to help bring up his general level of education because he he was falling quite behind at school because until you get the support and the funding in place to properly help him then sadly people in this situation just fall back as the rest of the class goes forward so from his point of view we've managed to bring him up to a really good level i mean his reading age as an eight-year-old was about five years old and he's been recently reassessed And his reading age is actually more advanced than his current age because we've managed to build in good reading habits with him. But in terms of the business, I mean, obviously I put some things on hold. So anything that didn't have a firm deadline or a contractual deadline, I basically paused for about four or five months. The book mostly and the the starting up of the YouTube channel. So it affected my plans in that regard in that I'm not where I wanted to be. So the book was supposed to be out by now. The YouTube channel to help promote it was supposed to be up. But that's just all obviously got slipped back. Um, but I have managed to you know produce content for plural sites and I've done some Skillshare work as well. So I've kept things going forward, but it was reasonably disruptive. Now going into 2021, I'm obviously being cautious, so I'm going to be doing some more work with plural sites. Um I'll obviously I'll put a lot of weight on that because that's kind of where I derive a lot of my income. Um courses for Skillshare. And more flexible, so there's you don't have set deadlines on that. It's just kind of as and when and you produce them. And with the book, I mean, I'm, you know, best endeavours, I'm going to try and get it out by the end of March, early April, if I can. So, you know, that's dependent on my editor's ability to work, because she has a family as well, and it's and she's based in Perth in Australia. So, you know, they've had, it's been difficult in Australia as well. So she's been uh, you know, affected by lockdowns and things like that. But, you know, she is working. So provided me and her can keep on collaborating, I think, I think we should be in a good position. The book's basically written. So it's just a case of doing that last 20%, which is, you know, editing, revising, typesetting, graphic design, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I think we're in a good place with that. I'm not concerned. So I'm expecting 21 to be a bit disruptive. But I've tried to make allowances for that, so fingers crossed, we'll see how that goes. Okay, so this the show topic today is um, about sales funnels, and there's kind of two aspects around it. I want to talk about you know what a sales funnel is and its intended purpose, but I want to talk about how I'm going to apply it to the launch of the book because I've got a you know a definite plan of how I think I'm going to do this, and I think it'd be cool to kind of share it with you. I don't mean, a your secret. There's no trade secrets or anything I'm doing here, it's kind of standard marketing stuff that I'm attempting to do. And hopefully it it will work out well. So what is a sales funnel? So I have a quote downloaded from the internet. So the sales funnel is a marketing term for the journey potential customers go through on the way to a purchase. There are several steps to a sales funnel, usually known as the top, middle and bottom of the funnel. Although these steps may vary depending on the company's sales model. So really it's a journey. If you imagine you've got a a big funnel, you know, a big inverted triangle, the wide end at the top and thin end at the bottom. You're trying to bring customers into the top of this funnel, and then you're trying to bring them down through that funnel, where at the bottom you have kind of like the prize, as it were, the, the big purchase that you want them to do. So the way I'm looking at it then, so I have three layers to the funnel. I have layer one, which is stuff that I'm basically offering for free. And they're going to be spending a lot of time in this kind of area of the funnel. Then on the second layer we have the book. So if I bring someone into the top layer, and I'll talk about the various aspects I'm going to do in a moment. But if we bring people into the top layer and they spend a lot of their time there, then hopefully, you know, they will like enough of what I do. That they might go and buy the book. Now the book's not an expensive purchase. You know, it might be about twenty US dollars or seventeen pounds. And if they, if that's all they ever do, then fantastic. You know. I want to sell the book, I want people to read it, I want people to enjoy it. But also what I'm doing is I'm producing an online training workshop as well. It's like a whole programme that people can go through to help them sort of, you know, start businesses, run them and be successful. Now that product could be, I haven't actually set a price, but let's just say, it's two or $300 for this online workshop. Now I could bring people into the top of the funnel, they might eventually buy the book. Then if they like what they've done there, but they want some help and a more sort of kind of formal introduction or formal education around this topic, then they might eventually go to that bottom part of the funnel and then make the bigger purchase for the online workshop or the online course. So that's kind of what, theoretically, you know, that's what the funnel is. You're trying to bring someone in, take them through a journey, and then as you bring them down the funnel, then they start buying your products. So none of this is new. It's not, I've said not invented it. It's a, it's a typical marketing concept of how you sort of try and generate value for a customer, then as they gen- as you generate value for them, they generate value for you by making a purchase. So in the top layer then, so which is where I'm going to be spending most of my time, now everything in this top layer is basically going to be free at the point of access for the person that comes in. So one aspect of that is this podcast, the Side Hustle Success podcast. You know, People can come along, they can subscribe to it, they can listen. We don't charge for this. This is completely free. You know, but you know, when the book comes out, I'll be advertising it on here. I'll be offering promotion links and stuff like that. So maybe someone will listen to this podcast and they think, yeah, oh, that sounds like a good book. Maybe I'll go and buy it. So that's one example. So the other one that I talked about is the new YouTube channel, and this is something I'm going to be spending a huge amount of time and effort on um, in 2021 and beyond, because I want this channel to be high quality. I want it to be a really good resource where people can come and learn about creating businesses creating side hustles marketing branding personal branding Uh, but as well as you know like kind of like vlog style updates or blog style updates for me about what i'm doing how i run my business how i approach productivity so all of this stuff on there now none of this is going to be you know you don't have to watch this and then you have to buy the book to get value from it people could just spend their time on the youtube channel and do nothing else and that's absolutely fine Or they could you know then go from that and think oh actually i like this content maybe the book sounds like a good idea so that's something i'm going to spend a huge amount of time on next year and you know as i said before if if you could help me out by subscribing just to help give me that initial push that would be fantastic um because it is difficult starting from um starting from scratch with youtube i've done a huge amount of research in how to do youtube channels actually it's really quite fascinating so there's some tools that you can buy to help with the creation of a YouTube channel. So what's it called? It's called TubeBuddy. It's a tool I've paid for. It's about $15 a month. And what this is good is it's a bit like Google's keyword tool. So it's an extension which installs onto YouTube. And then as you go in and type things in the search box, um, say so you type in you know how to start a side hustle, it will tell you how many times that keyword has been searched for over, say, the last month, and then how competitive the keyword is. And then it'll also tell you alternative keywords that people have typed. So by using this tool to do some research before you shoot the video, it helps you work out kind of what the good keywords are and what the good tags are that you can use in the metadata for the video. So all the research I've done has said that you should do this keyword analysis before you record the video. And there's a good reason for that. So YouTube is a search engine. It's probably the world's second largest search engine behind Google itself which means you have to do search engine optimization. Now, search engine optimization for YouTube works in several ways. You have the title of the video, you have the description, you know, very similar to web SEO. Tags that you do as well, but also, if you actually verbally say your keywords in the video, that has massive ranking potential. Now, there's two ways that that YouTube uh, picks up on this. So, A, they have auto-captioning when you upload the video, so if your keyword is, how do I start a side hustle? Say that's your main competitive keyword that you want to use. Now, if you say in the intro to the video, and in this video, I'm going to teach you how to set up a side hustle. Yeah. that If you say that keyword and someone types it in, then it will get picked up. There's some other tricks as well, which um, apparently, you know, not kind of hacks for the YouTube algorithm, but ways of trying to... Not cheat it, but ways, you know, playing along with the algorithm. So one of the things is always upload your videos in 4K, apparently is a big thing. And the reason is that if, say, you're competing with someone on a keyword and, you know, YouTube has to decide which video to recommend, your one or the other person's, they'll look at video quality. So if one of them is in HD 1080p and the other one is in 4K 30 frames a second, they might favor the 4K one because they want to try and push up the overall quality of content on YouTube. Which is interesting, I didn't realize that they did this, but apparently that's a thing. Another thing that makes a big difference as well is even though when you upload a video, they do auto captioning for you. If you use a service like Rev.com and you, can, and you pay them to produce a proper caption file, if you upload a specialized caption file, then that can give you a little bit of uh, benefit as well because YouTube effectively perceives you as being a bit more professional because you've taken the time to produce proper subtitles. So that means you know, producing these videos does have a cost. So I I, I now pay Rev.com to caption every single video and that costs about I I can't remember if it's a dollar or a dollar twenty five per minute of video. So if you do ten minute video that's it's gonna cost you over ten dollars to produce the caption file. But it's worth it. So I'm putting a lot of upfront investment into doing this. I had to buy a decent camera body, which would give me really high quality 4K, 30 frames per second video. I already had lenses for the camera body, which are very high quality, but I've had to set up lights, green screen, and all that sort of stuff. So it's a big investment, so I really, really am hoping I can get it to work out. But you know, the overall purpose is, I want people to watch the videos on YouTube, and then think, this is really good. I might check out the book or this is really good, I might check out the workshop. Now, alongside the YouTube channel, I am actually launching another podcast. Now, it's not replacing this podcast. This podcast still stays. This is a more typical format show. There's generally a dialogue between myself and Kevin. But what the new podcast is, and it's called The Path to Freedom, it's literally syndicating to all of the podcast libraries as we speak. It's going to be audio versions of the videos on YouTube. Um, Because apparently and it's not something i've ever done but you know apparently some people don't necessarily like watching the actual videos but they might just want to listen to the audio only version which you can now do via the path to freedom podcast so there will be obviously a very short episodes, you know five to 15 minutes long each of just the audio from the video so i have to be sort of fairly careful when i'm recording the video that i don't refer to anything that's you know don't, you know, look at this on the screen now. You know, I need to make sure I don't say things like that because I have to be very mindful of the fact that some people could be listening just to an audio version. So, you know, it's those little things you have to take into consideration. So we have YouTube channel and the podcast that sits beside it, and we have the Side Hustle Success podcast. So those are three things that are in in that first layer of the funnel. The next bit that's in there is gonna be the website for the book. So it'll be a standard sales style website. Um, the, the path to freedom book.com, I think, is the URL that I bought. I've not set this up yet, I'm doing this over Christmas. But it will be effectively a brochureware site for the book. There'll be ability to buy uh, well, to click on links to take you to Amazon to buy the book, but also to buy signed copies of the paperback from me direct, which is think I want to offer because people have actually asked for that before to have signed copies of books. But then there will be a blog on there as well, so I'll be posting articles on there, keyword-rich SEO-friendly articles. Uh, Every time I post a video on the YouTube channel, I'll also do a post on the blog as well, and I'll include a version of the transcript. Again, so this is partly for accessibility reasons, uh, but also the transcript will be full of good keywords, so obviously it makes a good blog post as well. So I'll be doing that. Uh, Also from that website will be the ability to sign up to an email list. Uh, This is something I haven't quite started yet, but I need to to spend some time on this. So I'm gonna be offering some what are called lead magnets. So downloads that people can have for free um, if they sign up to an email list. Now what will happen is when they do sign up to that email list, they'll be enrolled into what's effectively like a correspondence course. So every week, I will send some, you know, a short email post to them with some useful information. Now, the point here is it's not just to go sell, sell, sell to them every email, because people are just unsubscribing and will annoy them. The idea is to actually deliver value, gives good, useful information that will help people. And hopefully by doing that over time, we build up trust, which then hopefully will make them want to go down to the next level of the funnel. So email list marketing is, Initially, it's something I didn't think would actually be that relevant anymore, but the more research I do on it, and I've done some courses on this as well, about email marketing, it is actually still incredibly relevant and very powerful. And I keep on hearing the term in that the money is in the list, you know, by building up a really good email list. So that's another thing that's in in that top level of the funnel. So if someone comes into the funnel, You know, they could literally spend all of their time in that top layer and never go anywhere else and that's absolutely fine. You know, it's about me trying to deliver high quality content and value to that person. To the point where hopefully you build up trust that they'll then come and buy something from you later. So that means we've got the book in that second layer of the funnel. So that will be both a paperback offered on Amazon and hopefully some other stores as well. I'm looking at a company called Ingram Spark to help me distribute the book and hopefully get it into some physical bookshops as well. Um, there'll be the ebook version, which initially will be through Amazon's Kindle Direct program. Um, but I'm gonna look at potentially about ways of putting it onto some other platforms as well. And there'll also be an audio book as well. So once a book has been released on the Amazon system, I can then hire a narrator to basically work on the Apple the Apple audiobook and Audible version of the ebook, but that has to follow later because that's quite a lengthy process to do that, and it's also quite expensive to produce. So I'm not going to read it myself. It's a it's a big book. It's going to be about one hundred and sixty thousand words, which is the largest project I've ever embarked on in my life. It's uh, really been quite eye opening how hard this project has been. Okay, so then the next layer after that, so if someone buys the book hopefully they enjoy it, but then they might think, well, actually we want some guided help and tuition. So the next layer of the funnel is where towards September time, I'm hoping to release the um, online course version of the book. So it'll be based on stuff that's in the book, but go into a lot more detail, lots more examples and guide people through all of the workshop questions that are in the book. And there'll be lots of different case studies and examples. And the idea is to help people through a structured program, set up their own businesses. So, I'll probably launch this on a platform like Teachable, teachable.com, which allows you to do kind of high quality instructional courses. And you know, that would be more of a higher priced item. So, the further down the funnel you go, you know, the higher price or the bigger value you're trying to generate into the business. So, let's say that's $200 or $300. But then you can offer special offers as well. So if you can get people to sign up on the email list, you can put them through, there's a service called Deadline Funnel, which is saying I want to look at, but I've not really investigated too much. Where if you put them into what's called a Deadline Funnel, you then offer them like a ticking time down and you can say, right, well, you're going to get 30% off of the price of the course if you, you know, sign up to it within the next three days, for example. And Deadline Funnels are online services which basically orchestrate that entire process for you. So that's something I'm gonna look at, but I'll be completely honest, I've not dug too deep into that yet. I know I want to do it, I just don't know know the mechanics yet. And then I've got a fourth layer, and this is gonna be a bit further out um, towards the end of next year, or about 2021. And in the fourth layer, it's all about recurring revenue processes. So one of them is potentially a membership site, where it'll be a pay-per-month site that people can come on and they'll get one-on-one coaching with me, as well as other members that are in there so everyone can kind of help each other out, form mastermind groups, and um, share their experiences. It comes like an online community, um, but you put a charge on it to try and keep only sensible, well not sensible, that's the wrong term, you keep people in there that are actually serious about being there and trying to help each other. But that obviously generates monthly recurring revenue. And then from that, I can set up some consulting and potential in-person training events at different venues. Uh, But obviously the in-person training bit, there's a a big question mark over all of that at the moment because you just don't know whether that's gonna happen. With COVID, and other such stuff. So that in a nutshell is what a sales funnel is and that's how I'm hopefully going to apply it to my new business. So I'm right at the beginning of this at the minute but I'm hoping to have a good three, four months worth of YouTube videos coming out and trying to build up the community around that first before the book comes out. So that's kind of the intention, which is why I've asked for your help to you know, subscribe to the channel and help get me started on that journey. Cause I'm under no, you know, no illusions. That's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be very, very difficult. But I'm excited about it. I really am hopeful and excited. Um, at the time of recording this on Friday the 18th of December I've got four videos on there I've scheduled a whole load of videos to come out over the Christmas break uh, so two videos a week is kind of what I'm aiming to do so one explainer video where I go through more theoretical subjects and one update video where I talk about you know what I'm doing and I'm going to be quite candid in this I'm going to talk about everything that's going well how I'm approaching stuff things that I mess up I'm human, I make mistakes, so I'm going to be quite honest about things that I make mistakes on and kind of what I've learned and hopefully it means that people won't make the same mistakes. So that's kind of the cadence I'm looking at is two videos a week. I've put a lot of thought and effort into kind of the process of how I'm going to do these videos because one thing I can't do is I can't spend the entire week just producing these two videos because I'll get nothing else done. So I put a lot of effort into working out how I can have a a YouTube setup that I can sort of set up and tear down really, really quickly. So I can be, you know, up and running ready to shoot in five minutes. And I've kind of got a a list of requirements in place for myself about how I approach the videos and how I edit the videos. Because again, I can't spend too long working on it. So actually, let's dive into that. Let's take you through the the process. So in the, the back office area of my office, I have a sofa. Behind that, I've set up a retractable green screen, so I can literally just pull it up and then put it down within seconds. I've got two permanent lights set up on tripods that I can move into place. I'll just keep them pushed to the back of the room and I'll just move them in place. That's a key light and a fill light. And I've set those lights at a good color temperature, a natural color temperature, and and set a specific brightness on each one so that I get a good level of illumination across my face. And across the green screen as well and then i've got a tripod pre-configured with the camera on it which i just literally put on the table fold the screen out switch on the radio mic and i'm ready to go so from nothing to sitting down and shooting takes me less than five minutes so that's quite important to have a quick setup there now if you're recording say an online course and you're you know you're filming yourself and you're maybe using a teleprompter if you're doing something like that, then you'd keep doing take after take after take until you get the perfect take. Now, I haven't got time to do that. I can't sit there waiting for the perfect take because it could take all day. So what I've decided to do is I'm not scripting any of the videos. So literally when I shoot, I have a piece of paper sellotaped to the tripod with an outline on it. If I make a mistake, I just stop, take a deep breath, and i just do that bit again. So not, not an entire section, it might just be a sentence or it might be effectively like a paragraph worth of content. Then when I come to edit it, you know, if I have to cut some bits out and I have a bit of an awkward jump cut, as long as I don't do it too often, you know, it doesn't look too bad. And if you're mindful, when you, if you think you're going to do a jump cut and you think you've made a mistake, I've got kind of like a, a virtual marker on the, the camera screen, so I can tell roughly where my head should be. So if I make a mistake, I make sure my head's centred up and I'm in the right position before I start again. So I've been practising with this, and a few instances where I've had to do jump cuts on the editing of the videos, unless you're looking very carefully, you don't really know, because I try not to do it mid-sentence, so I'll always go back and start the sentence again. And provided I make sure my head and my body is in that kind of neutral starting position, the jump cuts really aren't that obvious. So that's been quite an interesting experience. For all of the video editing fans out there, uh, I'm using Final Cut Pro to do the editing. Uh, Everything's recorded in 4K, and by God, some of that footage takes up a lot of space. So, what I've decided then is that I will keep all of the Final Cut files for a video for a couple of months, maybe, and then I'll just delete them. Because realistically, am I going to go back to an old video? Not really. So, obviously, I'll keep the final rendered version, I'm going to keep that archived on external drives, but the actual working files for Final Cut I don't need to keep them so I'm just gonna delete those because they take up a ridiculous amount of space so yeah I think I've rambled on enough <laughs> yeah you know, I'm really I'm very excited for 2021 I mean 2020 has been hard um, I found it hard I know Kevin's found it hard and you know all, all you can do is look forward to the future and just think to yourself things are gonna get better and I really think they will I think you know the first quarter will be tough but I think if we all hang in there, I think 2021 will be a good year and people can start getting their lives back, which is what we're all hoping for. Okay, let's do a quick recommendation. Now, before I I say what my recommendation is, I'm gonna say right now that if you're someone who's a Microsoft Windows fan and a Microsoft PC fan and you hate everything to do with Apple, you probably wanna stop listening now. (laughs) Because <laughs> you're probably not going to like this. But my recommendation, and the thing I want to talk about, is Apple's new Apple Silicon M1 processors in their laptops that have started rolling out. Because I've it takes a lot to impress me these days, and I've been absolutely, genuinely floored by how good this new chip is that they're putting in their uh, laptops. So Apple's doing a two-year transition, so they're moving away from Intel processors in their... Current range of machines and they're going completely over to their own chips and they've been doing this for 10 years so ipad and iPhones have all had their sort of custom a series processors in them so the m series processors are just a logical extension to what they've already been building and they've started their transition and they started by replacing like the uh the macbook airs and a low-end macbook pro and a low-end macbook mini not macbook mini a mac mini on their small desktop machines. So this is just the first ones they've released and I've been wanting a small, fast, powerful laptop for a while, but normally when you buy a thin and light laptop, you have compromises that goes with it. So if you try and do anything reasonably advanced like video editing on those machines and the fans kick in, you get thermal throttling and the machine just slows down and it's a bit of a miserable experience. Well, that's what it's been like so far. But when they released the new MacBook Air, I I took a punt. I bought one because I was in the market for a new laptop. So I thought, I'll get one of these machines and I'll use it as a test machine just to see kind of what's coming in the future. And if it ends up being rubbish, as long as I send it back within two weeks, you get a refund. But these machines are absolutely unbelievable. I've never used anything so fast (laughs) in my life, really. So when you do things like Geekbench benchmarks, it completely outperforms like, an i9 10 core macbook pro it completely obliterates it it is ridiculous now this machine doesn't even have a fan in it it's passively cooled and i've been editing 4k footage on here with color correction for this youtube channel and then exporting the videos and the machine doesn't even break into a sweat and this is a 13 inch laptop it's a small thin and light it's tiny so even if you're not an apple fan and you just hate everything to do with apple i think you have to kind of still be impressed by what they're doing in these chips, because I think they've kind of taken an X evolution in kind of chip design and what's going to come in computers going forward. Now, if I was Intel, I'd be feeling a bit annoyed at the minute, because on one end, you've got Apple with these new processors, and then you've got AMD who are doing some absolutely fantastic work as well, like the Ryzen chips. So I think Intel really has to step up their their game now, because now Apple's shown their hand. I think the future is looking very attractive, Uh, For computing. Now the interesting thing is this M1 processor that I've got in this laptop. This is the worst one they're ever going to release So when they do the next ones probably sometime in 2021 Which will probably be like their mid-range machines. I can only imagine how fast these things are going to be. It's insane But you know, I don't want to bang on about it too much if you're in the market for a new laptop and or an Apple laptop, if you're a Mac OS fan, then I really do urge you to strongly consider them. Every single software tool that I use runs perfectly fine on it. So they've got this emulation thing called Rosetta, well it's not emulation, it's translation. So if you have an Intel Mac application that's not been directly ported to this system yet, it will just translate all that Intel code into M1 code and it will run flawlessly. So apps like uh, Photoshop, which aren't M1 native yet, still outperform a lot of um, Intel laptops, even though it's going through this translation layer. It's it's crazy. But anyway, I'm not gonna go on about it anymore. The new Apple Silicon M1 processors, they're worth researching and looking at because I've been genuinely floored by how performant they are. So i at the end of the show. Uh, if you've listened this far, thank you very much. Um, I just want to, you know, 2021 has been very, very difficult and it has caused a bit of disruption to this show. Uh, I'd like to apologise for that. Uh, Me and Kevin have tried to keep the schedule going as best we can, but it's been difficult. I mean, we've both had businesses to run. It's been, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Um, We're going to try and keep a more frequent schedule you know, on our new one-a-month schedule. I'm going to try and keep that going next year. Um, what I've discussed with Kevin is that if for any reason we can't meet up and we get into a point where we just need to put an episode out, then I'll do a solo episode. But we'll obviously do best endeavours to, to meet up. Lockdowns, you know, obviously taking lockdowns into account. We're not going to break any rules to do it. But, we'll, you know, we'll see how things go. Because we really do prefer doing it in person. We don't really enjoy doing it online over Zoom. So we'll see how we go. So, you know, if you are listening to this before the Christmas breaks, I hope you have a very happy holiday, Uh, stay safe, don't take any unnecessary risks, because, you know, we're starting to vaccinate people, so it's just a matter of time before medical professionals get around everyone. I know the US have just started signing off some vaccines as well, which is brilliant news. So stay safe, everyone. Have a good Christmas, have a good and safe new year. And we'll see you all in 2021 for what will hopefully be a better year. So again, thank you very much for sticking with us and we'll see you soon.